Sunday night, we were at Walther's Golf and Fun, because my, my company rented out the whole place for all the employees and all their kids, and, you know, the older boys were stuck up in the unlimited laser tag, and we weren't going to see them for several hours, and Caleb and I were playing miniature golf, and I think... Cindy and Grace had gone on, their game had gone on, and ours had been interrupted, and we came back and all this business, and, and they were playing game, video games, and so Caleb and I are playing miniature golf, and we're playing along, and I'm explaining to him what par is, and par, most of these are par two, which means the average person is going to get the bowl in the hole, the, hole, the, the ball in the hole, in two hits. So that's what I'm telling him. So when he hits it in two hits, I'm like, you got par. And he's like, I got average. And we're, yay, good. Some holes, we're way off of average. And so we get to this one hole, and you know he plays ahead of me, and then he's standing by, the, by where the hole is, and I'm standing by the little tee-off part. And I hit it, and it rolls around, and you know, bounces off a couple things, and it goes right in a hole in one. <gasps> and he's just like so excited, Daddy, you did it, you did better than average. And <gasps> and I was just like, man, if I could do that every time, this would be so much fun. Just from the look on his face, of, oh. but as hard as I try, I mean, of course, I'm trying every time to get a hole in one, right? You're trying to get the lowest you can get. And I only got one hole in one out of 18 tries. There are other times we were we both had to fish our ball out of the water and you know all that. And um, if you could do it on purpose and just nail it, it would just be awesome, right? But we get excited because we know we can't and occasionally on accident we do awesome. And then we're like, yeah, we didn't hold him on. Yes. So John 19. This isn't awesome because Jesus got lucky and nailed fulfilling all these prophecies just perfect and got a hole in one. John 19 is awesome because Jesus is in complete control. He's in complete mastery of the situation and of the circumstances. And it doesn't mean that the things that happened, that the people had no choice. You know, Pharaoh, when, when Moses opposed Pharaoh, there are numerous times where Pharaoh had a choice, but God knew what Pharaoh's choice was going to be. It doesn't mean that God made Pharaoh do this like some little pawn on a board, it was, I know what choice Pharaoh's going to make, and he's going to do this, because I know Pharaoh's heart, and he's going to make this choice, and this is how it's going to play out. And so God would tell Isaiah, hundreds of years before Christ would be born and walk the earth, God would tell Isaiah that when the Messiah comes... There's going to be men, and this is what's in their hearts, and this is what they're going to do and how they're going to respond. And then Isaiah would tell the people, be comforted, Israel. There's one that's coming, and this is what's going to happen to him. 
listen, here's how it's going to be. And they wrote down what Isaiah said. And then Jesus would be born. He would read the words of Isaiah. And as fully man, learn what the Messiah had to go through. He, but as fully God, he would know that he was the Messiah and that he would have to go through that. So as we read through this, as I read through it this week and the week before, I was just moved at how much in control Jesus was through all this and how much he just did this right on purpose. So, John chapter 19, verse 1, Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and they arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, the the Roman guard said, they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they struck him with their hands. Now I was reading a commentary on this, and the guy, he had a really weird perspective. But the more I thought about it, the more... So the Roman soldiers, none of them would have been Jewish. That was kind of a weird thing about the Jewish people at the time that they were, of, of all the lands that Rome would conquer, and they would, they would conquer this land, and they would enslave all the strongest of men, and enlist them in the army. And now you would be taken from your, you'd be taken from Evansville, and you'd be put in the army to go fight against Arkansas. And then when you beat Arkansas, they would take all those Arkansas men, and they would enlist them in the army to go fight in South Dakota. And then they'd enslave all the South Dakota men and they'd send them back to Indiana to fight against the Hoosiers to keep them... I mean, So everyone's displaced. Nobody knows. But if you were Jewish, you were exempt from the army. And you didn't have... It was the only... The, of all the different regions and all the different religions that were under... that were ruled by Rome, if you were Jewish, you didn't have to be in the army. So do you think that made them popular with all of these guys that were enslaved, dispatched, pulled from their homelands, put into another homeland to be in the army? No way. They, would, they despise the Jews. You're, you're the guys that are, that are too good. You, you know, you're the guys that, that bought your way out or by your religion got out of being enslaved and taken away from mom and dad and shipped off and fighting a war. I mean, that's... That's this hatred. They also didn't have any respect for some so-called king of the Jews. Because they hated the Jewish people because they got out of military service and they were, they were totally different. And if somebody says they're the king, they don't have respect for that guy either. So there's a lot of, a lot of bitterness being poured out onto Jesus in this in this activity. The other thing is, none of them would have heard about Isaiah. None of them would have heard the prophecies about what the king of the Jews would bring or what, what the, the suffering servant would have gone through. So these guys really, you know, later on Jesus is going to say, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. These guys really had no clue the, the level of sin they were committing. So they, they beat him up, they, they put a crown on him, they mock him. Um, 
This was actually, there's another historian that talks about in some other city that it was kind of a, a common practice when you wanted to make a public spectacle of somebody and make fun of them is to put a fake crown on them and dress them up and parade them around town and bow down to them and all that. You see that in um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame where they're all making fun and, and doing that thing, the king of fools and all that business. So this is next level, of course. So Pilate goes out to the crowd, and there's a crowd of, of Jewish leaders and just common folk that have all been brought to, to kind of get this whole mob hysteria thing ramped up. It says elsewhere the Jewish leaders brought them there. And Pilate comes out and he says, look, I'm bringing him out to you so you can know that I find no guilt in him. There's nothing wrong with this guy. He is not guilty. So Jesus came out wearing a crown of thorns and the purple robe. He's been punched in the face over and over by army men. And he says, behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. So the way the Jewish law worked, even though they had 613 laws from Moses that they had to follow, they had thousands more laws written by Babylonian captivity and all kinds of other things. All of the laws that said somebody had to be stoned or somebody had to be killed, the Jews weren't allowed to execute those laws and kill people because of the Roman rule. And if they did they would be acting against the law, kind of like vigilante violence. And Pilate here is basically saying, we're not going to do this as an official act of Rome. If you want to kill this guy, you just go do your vigilante kill thing, and we'll let you be. The Jews answered him, we have a law. Oh, take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, this is verse 7, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die. Now if they would have stopped right there, then Pilate would have been like, Look, you guys, I'm not an expert in your laws. You, you say you got to kill him. I don't have any guilt in him. You kill him. But then they said, Because he has made himself the Son of God. There's another translation is that is because he's revealed himself as the Son of God. And there's another translation that is because he calls himself the Son of God. So he's, there's something where he's drawing attention to himself to be the Son of God. I love verse 8. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. See, Pilate knows that this guy is not guilty. He knows that these are all religious people, but they're also political people. And now this guy that he's heard about before, who isn't guilty at all, the thing that they are, they're trying him for is that he claims he's made himself to be the Son of God. Now Pilate, if he was Roman, um, he could have believed in a whole mishmash of things. Okay, I don't know... Remember the old, the old movie Spartacus? There's a place where they ask this 
this senator and he's like, do you believe in the gods? He says, publicly, all of them. Privately, none of them. So politics and, and religion were completely mixed up together. So he, but he may have had a little bit of spiritual interest. Okay? So when he hears that Jesus is the Son of God, he, he might not think Jesus is the Son of the supreme over everything God, but he may actually believe that Jesus is the Son of the God that rules over Israel. The God of this neck of the woods, right? Because they, they also believe that gods were kind of geographical, limited by what hills and what mountains they lived in. So even then, that's scary, right? If you're the, if you're the ruler, if you're the president of an area, and there might be a God of that area, and this guy's the son of the God of that area, you don't want to mess with him. Also in here, yeah, I don't think John mentions it. Um, at some point, Pilate's wife had a dream that was very disturbing. And she sends a message to Pilate. And she says, I've had a very upsetting dream. Don't have anything to do with this man. And later on in church tradition and legend, they would, uh, the Coptic church would actually call Pilate and his wife saints because she tried to stop the crucifixion and he wouldn't commit to it, which is kind of... That, that was not mainline... That the church, mainline church history didn't follow that, but the Coptics, the Coptics did. So Pilate is afraid. He goes back into his headquarters, back into this place, and he says to Jesus, where are you from? All right, so why is that a big deal? In all these stories of gods and goddesses and all the, the pantheon of religions that Romans would, would hear about and maybe believe in parts, a lot had to do with origin stories. Who'd you come from? Were you the, were you the son of Zeus, a mortal? Were you, you know, were you born out of the side of this mountain? Did, um, did somebody hit Zeus in the head and you popped out? That was how Athena was born. Zeus got hit in the side of the head. This lady popped out. Um, so where are you from? You know, he's trying to get back to... This is a little scary. You're, you're the son of the god of this region that all of them out there are worshiping, that that Pilate had, had seen their temples and their beliefs. Uh, all right, got to talk a little bit about Pilate. Scattered in here. So the Romans were afraid of the Jews. The Jews had power. They, there, was, there were stories. They had heard about this, this country named Egypt and these horrible things that happened to this country named Egypt. And they were a little... You know, are these people with it? You know what? I mean, that's why they, they were the only religion that got out of army, ob obligatory army service, right? So when the Romans would march into Jerusalem, instead of flags, they had poles. And on the ends of the poles, they would have golden eagles, which is where we get, well, we don't have one. So the golden eagle that's on top of a flagpole, that goes all the way back to Rome, you guys. Isn't that wild? So on the t they, but they didn't have flags. They just had the pole. So they'd have a pole with a big golden eagle on top. Or they would have a pole with a bust of the leader, the Roman ruler, on top of it. 
And so with these golden idols, they would march. And they would, you could see from far away, it would shine, and you could see who they were. Out of respect for the Jews who were against idolatry, the Romans, when they would march into Jerusalem, they would stop. They would take those things down and remove the gold items from the ends of the poles and put them away. And they would just march with empty poles because they did not want to make the Jews mad because they're parading around with these golden um, idols, right? To, to rule over people. That Judas Maccabees might have had something to do with that because they were like chopping people up and all that business. So, so Rome respected the Jews and they were like, okay, you really want to make the Jews mad? You go march it in there with your big old gold eagle and make them salute it and make them bow down to it and all that. that don't do it. So they take those off. Okay, Pilate didn't do that. Pilate was the first, marched right in, poles with statues of his, his bust on the top of it, statues of the eagle, gold, the whole bit. He, he violated all that stuff. Um, Pilate, he was like, he was like these, um, he was like Gaddafi or like the, these, these leaders that we hear about nowadays that gas their own people. He was just a really, really wicked ruler. He, um, there was a gathering of people in Samaria at one point and they thought that they had found some scrolls and they had called this assembly. I mean, it's kind of like Nehemiah. Let's all get together and we're going to read the scrolls. And all these people went to Samaria and Pilate heard about it. And he was like, okay, wait till they all get together and then wipe them out. And so this, you know, this whole village got filled with people that were going to, you know, they found the scroll and they're going to read it. And he just sent in these troops and wiped out the whole village, the whole town, killed everybody. And he did stuff like that a lot. There was just, there's no reason for it. It's just brutal. Well, the way the Roman government was set up, if Jerusalem could get a group together that could make it to Rome, they could appeal to Rome and complain about what Pilate did. And Pilate would genuinely get in trouble. And they would, Rome would send a council to question and investigate. And if they found Pilate uh, guilty, then he'd be removed from his power. And that's actually what happened to him about five years after Jesus died. Pilate, um, a, a consulate from Jerusalem, went and complained to Rome about how cruel and unjust he was, how he would kill people that were innocent, that had no guilt, and how he would kill them brutally. And so uh, he was removed from power. So if you have that in mind, now all of a sudden these Jewish leaders become a lot more powerful, don't they? Because they've got all this dirt on Pilate that if they report Pilate, he's going to lose his job. He's going to lose his standing. And he's already done a bunch of stuff, but nobody's reported him yet. So keep that, keep that in mind. So he's afraid. Where are you from? He's trying to get Jesus' origin story. Where did you come from? Pilate says to him, you won't speak to me? Don't you know I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? I was listening to this this morning on an audio Bible that... Um, it's called street lights. It'll, it'll really change your perspective. There are a bunch of hip-hop artists and uh, 
other African-American men that dramatized an audio Bible. And so instead of hearing it in British accents and instead of hearing it in middle-class white accents, it's, um, it's a bunch of black guys acting out the New Testament. And it's called Streetlights. And it's really moving because this thing, these guys are yelling at each other. Or Pilate is yelling at Jesus. Don't you know I have, will you not speak to me? Don't you know I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? When you read that, don't read that as somebody that's powerful, that has might, and you better listen. Read it as someone says the verse before, he is scared. He is a scared ruler. Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus hasn't spoken. He hasn't given him an answer. Since Jesus got beaten, since Jesus got the crown of thorns and the purple, Jesus has not spoken a word. He's just been looking at him silently. Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Pilate, if you wondered if this was the Son of God, now know it for sure, right? Jesus says, You have no power except what's been given to you from above from the heavens. I mean, you have no power except what's been given to you from heaven. Yikes. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out. So now they're gonna, the Jewish leaders are playing, they're playing their trump card now. If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So this went from, is this man guilty or not? You all know I've killed people that weren't guilty. And whether they're guilty or not doesn't matter to me. I just kill people. I'll kill people by the whole village full. If I have to, I do it for fun. But I'm not going to kill this guy. And now it turned into politically. Do you serve Caesar or do you not? Are you... Because we can go tell Caesar that you said you're not going to serve him. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out. He sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day for the preparation of the Passover. It's the sixth hour. Like John is drawing together all the details all into one big thing. And Pilate says, Behold your king. So he is, he is, they're forcing him, they're forcing Pilate to say, Who is Pilate's king? Caesar. You're going to submit to Caesar or you're not going to submit to Caesar? And Pilate is forcing them to admit who this is. This is your king. Behold your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to be crucified. So, 
this is it's all it's all a big game, right? The Jews are trying to get Pilate to do what they want, and so they're going to put him under Caesar. Okay, if you're going to put me under Caesar, you're going to put yourselves under me, because Pilate's saying if 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 I'm ruled by Caesar, I'm the one in charge here. And if I'm the one in charge here, I'm in charge of your king. And I can do whatever I want with your king. And if I do this with your king, I can do it with any of you. It's just this whole big messed up power game, right? What's the trial? The trial here? It's not a Jesus trial, right? No, nobody's deciding. No one is showing off why Jesus is guilty. The trial here is the trial against Pilate, Pilate's on trial. One of the commentaries, the guy, he titled this whole section the trial of Pilate. Because Pilate's the one that's found guilty. Because Pilate has the power. Pilate, he has killed off many more people than were what are here. He could bring in an army, tell all those people, you know, you're all wiped out. I'm going to set you free. You'll be my slave in my court, whatever. He, he could end all of this, but he doesn't. The Jewish people that are there, they could all stop. They could all disband, leave, go get ready for Passover. they got more important stuff to do. Passover is happening. They have preparations that they should be making right now. And instead they're there saying, God is not our king. If you look back at 1 Samuel, where the people deny God as their king, and they say to Samuel, give us a king. What does God say? He says, I'm sad that my people have rejected me and that they want a human king, that they want an earthly king. And they say, and God says to him, and he says to Samuel, tell them if they get a king, it's going to be miserable for them. And here is a reaffirmation of all the people saying, we want an earthly king. This, this is not our, Caesar is our king. The whole funny business of this is if you want to point your finger at whose fault it is, it gets a little hard, doesn't it? Because you can have a little bit of pity on Pilate because he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. You're like, okay, it's the Jewish leaders. Which one? You don't really, we don't know which one. They're all in it together, right? And um, the truth of all of this is the reason why it's hard to, to, to point your finger at who did it and the one that did it is because it's, it's every one of us. That helps us realize we're part of that story. If I, if I was stuck between a rock and a hard place, and you know what, if I just let all these religious people solve their own problems, I can just step aside and let all them fight it out and I'll be friends with whoever's left standing. I don't know that I wouldn't choose that, Right? If I was in a big crowd of people, I remember I was a kid and the president came to town. I don't even remember which president it was. But man, we were so excited and we were yelling and hollering and cheering because there's the president. And, um, he made, it was at Robert Stadium and they made some rule that only, only middle school and high school students could be on the floor because they, they wanted the youth to be closest to the president. Or some, I mean, there's some you know, political sappy whatever thing. I don't know what the character of that guy was. I mean, if I, if I look back on it, I don't know that I would 
respect him or honor the choices that he made. But man, I was a kid and I was cheering. And it was the president. I wanted the president to see me. Right? So I don't know that if I was in that crowd with all those people that day, if I would do any different. I mean, I like to think that I would, but I don't know that I would. We were all there. And Jesus was in complete control. And he knew, you know, Pilate, I'm only going to tell you what I need to tell you. You're not the one in charge here. You're not the one that has authority here. The Jewish leaders, he doesn't say anything to them. They take Jesus. They go out. He carries his cross. They go to the place of Golgotha, known as the skull. And they crucified him there with two others, one on either side. Crucifixion was so horrible and so dishonorable, it was illegal to crucify a Roman citizen. It was something that you only did to a slave. And you wouldn't even do that to a a normal slave. If you were going to kill him, you'd just hit him with a sword or throw him off a cliff or hit him in the head with a rock or something. But they had to do something really, 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 really bad to get crucifixion. Um, They were always flogged before they were crucified. And getting flogged a lot of times would kill them. Um, There's another account where it would drive people crazy. People would go insane from the pain of being flogged. And so they didn't even know what was going on when they got crucified because they were so out of their minds from the, the pain of the flogging. But there's two other guys getting, getting um, strung up there next to, on both sides of Jesus. Pilate writes, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And he writes it in Aramaic, Latin, and in Greek. And he hangs it up so that all can see it. And this is where it kind of reveals Pilate's side in this. Where... And there's this power match of who's ruling over who. Is it the Jewish leaders? Who's in charge in this city? Because Jewish leaders are making Pilate do whatever they want. And Pilate's like, okay, if you all are Jews, here's your king, and I just killed him. So I'm tougher than you. It's just a big macho flaunt game, right? And Jesus is caught in the middle of it. The Jewish leaders say, don't write that he's the king of the Jews. Say, this man said I'm the king of the Jews. He said, what I've written, I've written. I'm not changing it. They crucified Jesus. And they, he's got all of his clothes. And, and th- things were different then. If you had a patch of cloth, that was great. Because you could sew that and repair that. It, it wasn't about, I need to go buy a new shirt. It was, my shirt is run down and I need a new patch of cloth to patch that spot that's, you know, I mean, so they're, they're taking parts of his clothing because they can reuse it and recycle it and, and go on. Then they get to this one, oh, it's all in one piece. It's not torn up. It's not... Can you imagine? This, these guys have been whipped and beaten all day long. And they're, they're so um, not respecting what horrible thing has happened. They're so disrespectful that they're, taking, they're picking his clothes from this. And... Uh, they don't want to tear this one up. Their, their greed, the greed of the situation is so disconnected from what's happening. They're like, let's throw dice and see who gets it. Heads or tails. It's, it's basically like saying, heads or tails, do you, do you want this hat or do I get it? Heads, I get the hat. 
that's a weird little thing if you think about, like, what all's going on? Why would they put this detail in here? And I think, I think it's to make this, just to show what an incredible contrast it is. Where here is Jesus, the Son of God, perfect, never committed a sin, rose people from the dead, had all kinds of compassion on people, full of compassion. And then over here, you've got these Roman soldiers that don't even care that a person is dying. And they're throwing dice to see who gets his shirt. Because his shirt is more important than this human man. And it just shows how fallen... I mean, and we're still... Humanity is still the same way, right? People still care so little for a human life versus, can I get their shirt? That's the state that Jesus died in. And again, he knew exactly, he was sinking the hole in one. He knew exactly what he was doing. It was not a, a, a lucky thing that that would completely fulfill a psalm, or that they cast, they cast lots for my, they divided my garments among them, and for my shirt they cast lots. Jesus was doing it for us. He was submitting all the way down to that kind of shame to be, to, to be worth less than a shirt for us. Soldiers did these things standing by Mary and the d- different people, and, and Jesus has enough, enough with him to say to Mary and to say to John, you know, take care of each other, that kind of thing. Uh, they, they pass him a drink, and that was to fulfill some more scripture, and then he dies. Verse 30, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He deliberately let himself die. At that very moment, he could have been like, all right, angels, do it. And completely healed himself. And the angels could have swooped in and wiped out all of Jerusalem. Could have wiped out the whole world. And he could have started over as ruler of this new perfect world. That was what the devil wanted him to do, right? When the devil tempted him in the wilderness, bow down to me and I'll make all the nations of the world serve you. Because the devil was in control of all the nations of the world. But even the very moment of his death, Jesus was in control of that. It was the day of preparation. You know, Every once in a while, Easter and um, Passover fall on the same day, and we all get excited because it's like, oh, man, there's like all this going on. Well, it was very, very rare that Passover would fall on a Sabbath, and that's what happened this year. And there's a whole special set of laws and rules of what you have to do if that happens because it kind of messes things up, kind of makes it more awesome. That's what is going on here. And so they say, oh, can we take his body down so it's not up during during the Passover. Well, this just goes to show how brutal this was. Usually, men would last for days on the cross. And they would be defenseless. Uh, they, you, couldn't, you couldn't scratch your nose, and that was the least of your problems. I mean, you just couldn't move anything. And you're fully exposed, and you've been whipped and beaten already. Um, and they say... 
take these bodies down because we're going to have a Passover. We don't want to be looking at these dead bodies while this happens. So they come and they break the legs of the men that are on the right and left side of Jesus because they could hold themselves up and, and continue to live. But with broken legs, they couldn't, they couldn't hold themselves up and they would die. But Jesus is already dead. And they, they think he's already dead. They tested, they stab him with a spear and he is dead. And even then, a scripture is, is fulfilled that not a single one of his bones would be broken. That he would be, he would be killed in such a way that would be so uh, gruesome and so drawn out that he wouldn't have any broken bones. He wouldn't have a quick death. And then he gets buried. Verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate, that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. Let's talk about how brave Joseph of Arimathea is. Pilate is a scoundrel. He is known for killing entire villages just because he wanted to. And Joseph of Arimathea goes to him the day of all of this business has gone on. Um, everything I just covered was like six to seven hours. So it, it took Jesus about six hours to die from when he was on the cross to when they checked him with the spear. Nicodemus from John 3 comes back. Member of the Sanhedrin. Nicodemus comes with Joseph of Arimathea and they go and um, they have a mixture of myrrh and aloes and they have 75 pounds. So think that through. They embalm Jesus. They, they embalm him. It's not, here's his body, and now let's sit it over here. They process this dead body with 75 pounds of chemicals to embalm it. That's how dead he is. Uh, there's some, you know, even in the early days, people would argue that Jesus just fell into a coma and then snapped out of it. Or there were people that said that Jesus was unconscious and then he came to three days later. Okay, he got embalmed. It's like stuff happened that isn't natural, right? Um, 75 pounds, bound in linen, clothes, spices. And then they buried him in the garden. A new tomb in which no one had yet been laid because the day, Jewish day of preparation... And, the, and they put Jesus there. It's a brand new tomb. Usually they would, they would have these little bunks and then they would wait until the body decomposed and they'd keep coming and putting chemicals on it until it was just bones. Then they'd pile all the bones in the back. And this is a, a fresh tomb. Fresh tomb means Joseph of Arimathea is, he's really risking a lot. Because he's not just risking by going to Pilate and asking for this body that is controversial, right? But he's also saying, from here on out, this guy that all the Jewish leaders rejected is buried here. And so you think the Jewish leaders are going to accept anyone's burial that goes into this tomb? They're not. You know, we see in Acts, or we've already seen where people, if they believed in Jesus, they'd get kicked out of the synagogue. 
And so Joseph of Arimathea is, is sort of saying from here on, I believe in Jesus so much. I believe this guy was the Son of God so much that I don't care if I'm put out of the synagogue. I don't care if, they, if I myself get a proper burial because I'm going to give him a proper burial. And so he did that. Again, every bit of this, Jesus knew was going to happen. He prepared and he's in total control just for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much for being so full of compassion and understanding and care and patience that you would not blow everybody off the face of the earth and heal yourself, but you would submit to this fallen creation to save it. And thank you, Lord, so much for whatever you did in Joseph of Arimathea, in uh, Nicodemus, in John, and in the Marys, that they would all be right there close to tell the story, to retell it, so that we would know how much you did for us and all that you went through for our sin. Thank you, Lord. Amen.